Hey, I want to welcome you to the first ever Marty McLean podcast. This is episode one. My name is Marty McLean, and the name of this podcast is the Marty McLean podcast. And you may say, why is it the Marty McLean podcast? Well, all the other good names were taken, and it just seemed like the right thing to do. So it's going to be a podcast on life, religion, and politics. Now, I am coming at it from a Christian point of view. I am a pastor. I've been in the ministry for over 25 years. Uh, just a little something about myself. I am originally from Vidalia, Georgia. I'm currently living in the West Georgia area. Uh, I've got a degree in psychology from the University of Georgia, a Master's of Divinity from a seminary in Memphis, Tennessee, and a Doctor of Ministry, ministry from New Orleans Baptist Seminary. Uh, I've written two books, and also I've been a featured personality for a documentary on religion for the public television stations in Scandinavia. Now, that seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Well, the whole story behind that is extremely odd, and some of the feedback is even odder. So, uh, without much more to say, uh, other than, hey, I've been married for 30 years, got a beautiful wife named Stephanie, we have four grown children, and life is really, really good for us right now. We're just enjoying it. I've been on this earth for over 50 years, and I got a little something I want to say about some topics. You know, when you got something that you want to say, it's kind of like Rocky said in Rocky Six. He said, I still got some stuff in the basement. I know it's a bad Rocky imitation, but you know, it's got some stuff in the basement. You got to get stuff out of the basement. So this podcast is a little bit of my attempt to get stuff out of the basement. Today, I want to talk about being an influencer. Now, everybody wants to be an influencer today. Part of the reason why is you can get some big bucks for being an influencer. Look at what the people on Instagram and some of these other social media platforms make. They make some really, really good move, uh, money uh, making some home movies, uh, saying some catchy little things. Uh, people want them to push their product. They want them to influence people to buy certain products, to engage in certain behaviors. It is a time of great influence by a bunch of influencers. Now, as a Christian, I believe that uh, we should be incredible influencers. As a matter of fact, Jesus told his followers how they were to be influencers, that he would refer to them as salt and light. Now, let me read something to you from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, I mean, these are the words of Jesus. This is what actually what he said. A bunch of people sitting around. Here's what he says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus says, hey, I want you to be influencers. I want you to be salt, and I want you to be light. Now, what exactly did that mean in that day to be salt and light? Well, salt was used as a preservative. It kept the meat from going bad. Now, nobody wants to be, eat bad meat. Have you ever smelled meat when it goes bad? I remember one time we had a big barbecue lunch at a church I was at. I was actually a janitor there, and the meat was bad. It smelled like dog poo-poo. It, it literally did. No joke. And we had to get it out. I mean, people were already dipping into it. We had to go get it away from everybody, and we had to throw it away. So when you don't want the meat to go bad in that day, you had to put salt on it. It helped, 
it helped delay the corruption. And Jesus tells his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. You are to have an influence in this culture, in this life, that will prevent decay. We also know that salt brings flavor. So salt is a difference maker. To be an influencer is to be a difference maker. And Jesus tells his followers, you are to be a difference maker. He also said that you are the light of the world. Do not hide your light. He says, you don't light a light, you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So you're the light. You are to be a light. A light is a difference maker. A light will dispel the darkness. So wherever salt and light are introduced, they make a difference. They make a huge difference. And you don't dim your light. Now, let me say this. One of the things I got to get out of the basement. I think sometimes people want to be an influencer. And in order to be an influencer, they have to dim their light. If you have to dim your light to be an influencer, you're probably doing it the wrong way if you're a Christian. If you want to be an influencer for Christ, if you have to dim your light, you're putting that lamp under a basket. And Jesus says, you don't do that. You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but you put it up so it can give light. Now, here's why people choose to dim their light instead of letting it shine brightly. In John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. One of the things that has frustrated me the most is when I see a, quote, Christian celebrity on some type of show, and they're asked a question that you know is a hot-button issue question. And they're given the opportunity to simply state what the Bible says, and they know that if they simply state what the Bible says, it's probably going to cost them. And in that moment where there is an opportunity in a very kind and loving way to be a light, they choose not to. They get reticent. They get hesitant. And it's almost like they're apologetic for knowing what the Bible says, and they really don't want to say what the Bible says because they know that it's going to be a difference maker. Now, that's really not why they don't say it. It's obviously, we all have fear, and we all have that opportunity where, okay, if I want my light to shine, if I want to be salt and light, if I want to be an influencer, sometimes I'm going to be an influencer in a way that is going to make a difference And it's going to be different, but it might, it just might, be costly. And am I willing to pay that price to be the influencer for the gospel? Because we have seen that there are those who will fold, that there are those who will draw back. And it's really heartbreaking when you see that, and it's very frustrating. And you think, okay, do not put... A basket over that lamp. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. And then you see them getting out the basket. And you're like, please don't put that basket over that lamp. And the basket goes over the lamp. Now, let me add this. You have to know what to say, when to say it. But there are clear opportunities that are presented where a clear presentation of what the Bible clearly says about a certain 
topic in our culture would probably would probably go extremely well and it would in the context of the conversation that's being had would instruct a lot of people about the clear teachings of scripture and people need to know that people need to know what the bible says because what the bible says reflects who god is and when we simply state what the bible says we are just helping people understand who God is, because his word reflects his character. His word reflects his person. Because if we don't do that, then people will create an image of God that's in their own image. They create their own image of God. They create the God that they want. And that's why when I read the words of Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was leaving a group of believers, uh, the Ephesians, and uh, he was letting them know that, hey, I've I've told you the truth. I, I haven't held anything back. What you needed to know, I've told you. Uh, he says in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. People need to know what the Bible says. The, what the Bible says reflects the character of who God is. And people need to know you can't create your own image of God. The God is who he says he is, and according to the Bible, we're all going to have to be answerable to God, and according to the Bible, somebody pays for your sins. Now, here's, here's the deal. According to Scripture, according to what's stated in the Bible, somebody pays for your sins. Either, either Jesus pays for your sins on the cross 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, or you pay for your sins for all of eternity. It's just that simple. Who's going to pay for your sin? Will it be you for all of eternity, or will you accept that Jesus Christ paid for your sin on the cross 2,000 years ago? Now, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have Jesus paid for my sins 2,000 years ago on the cross and me get to go to a place called heaven for all of eternity than for me to have to pay for my sin for all of eternity. That's why the gospel is good news. It is good news. And when people see that they fall short of the glory of God, which we all do, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when people see that, hey, there's a God who's got a moral standard and I fall short of that and I'm guilty and, man, somebody's got to pay for this. It's like when you go in a store and you break something and the store owner says, somebody's going to pay for that. Well, with our sins, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There is There is death. That's the result. Eternal death is a result of our sin. And that's why the gospel is such good news. And if we're afraid to say something because it might make somebody feel bad because they're living in what the Bible would call sin, but it's that sin that lets them know that I need to be forgiven, and that need to be forgiven points them to the gospel, and it has eternal consequences upon their lives. And they really realize at that point, boy, this gospel... It is very, 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 very good news. And it's something that I really need to get a hold to. And when we fail to stand for what's right, when we fail to be salt and we fail to be light because we don't want to have the pressure, we don't want to be caught in the middle of the firestorm, then we are saying, in essence, you know, I'd rather feel comfortable and not point out sin. I'd rather feel comfortable than to point it out and be uncomfortable. And so what kind of influencer do you want to be? 
if God's called you to be salt and light, and I know everybody wants the glamour of being an influencer. Uh, we want to have the followers. We want to have the notoriety and, you know, the little check or the electronic deposit that comes into our banking account. I mean, you got to make a living. But you need to be an influencer in the right way. And you do not need to shy away from just simply saying, you know, what I believe really doesn't matter, but what the Bible says I believe does matter. And so here's what the Bible says, and I simply choose to believe what the Bible says. So my personal beliefs really don't matter, but what the Bible says does matter. So that takes it off of me personally. It's like, hey, this is what I made up or what I, you know, my personal belief. No, I choose to believe what the Bible says. And that puts it between that person and Scripture. So do not be afraid to be salt and light. Do not be afraid to simply say, well, you know, here's what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says. Because people actually really need to hear stuff like that. And there needs to be people, when they are confronted, well, what do you think about this topic? Well, they're able to really say, you know, well, here's what the Bible says about it. And I choose to believe what the Bible says about it. Let me just add to all this. I believe that the evangelical leadership in the United States, I, I, not all of it, but I believe there's some, and I, and I, I believe people are well-intentioned. I believe we have well-intentioned people, but sometimes you can be well-intentioned but misguided. I believe that uh, the overall direction, probably we're not having the uh, influence that we need to have. And I'm not talking about everybody. I'm not. We have some people that are really doing a great, great job. But we have others that have kind of taken another um, route, and I don't think it's having the influence that we probably need to have on our culture. I think sometimes you have to understand that when the culture gets darker, that does not mean that our light needs to grow dimmer. I think as the culture does plunge more and more into darkness, I think that our light needs to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Now, I am a history buff. I love history. I love reading about history. Why? Because it's about people. People do some crazy things, and people make some huge mistakes, and people accomplish some great tasks. And you read about it in history. History is really fun because it's, it's what's happened. It's uh, why people make movies. Uh, we like to see what transpired, great feats that were accomplished. And, uh, you know, recently been, I reckon, I would imagine with Memorial Day being around, uh, I was looking at a lot about World War II and seeing some stuff, stuff on television and, you know, a couple of the guys just really stood out to me, and not really for a good reason. Uh, you know, Neville Chamberlain, he was the prime minister of Great Britain uh, when World War II started. Now, what Neville Chamberlain is most noted for is that he was the great appeaser. He would continually appease Adolf Hitler. Uh, Hitler just had this, this desire, as you know, with the Third Reich, he wanted more and more land, and he wanted to rule over more and more people. Uh, the people he didn't like, you know, he would get rid of. He was a very cruel, cruel man. And he was wreaking havoc on Europe. Uh, and, for instance, in 1936, he entered the Rhineland. Then in 1938, he annexed, annexed Austria. And then the Sudetenland, the part of the Czechoslovakia that spoke German. Then later on, he took the whole Czechoslovakia. Um, it wasn't until he invaded Poland that Neville Chamberlain finally had to declare war. And the thing about Neville Chamberlain, he was always 
appeasing of Hitler. He would let them have the Sudetenland. He would let them have the Rhineland. He would let them have Austria. I mean, we got to, we got to appease this guy. We don't want war. We don't want war. So Neville Chamberlain was this great appeaser. And it just set the table in a really, really bad way. It put Great Britain in a very weakened position. In every acquisition that Hitler had made, he got stronger and stronger and bolder and bolder. And eventually we know that Neville Chamberlain would be replaced by Winston Churchill, and that was a wonderful thing that happened with Churchill coming to power. But also there was another man. His name was Felipe Beton. Now, that's a French name. I'm from South Georgia. I didn't learn French. We didn't have anybody spoke French down there. The only French we ever heard growing up was Pepe Le Pew on Bugs Bunny. And he was always running after a cat that had an accidental white stripe painted down her back. So, you know, that's my pronunciation of Felipe Peyton. Um, anyway, he was a hero during World War I. Uh, he was a French general. He was known as the Lion of Verdun. He made an incredible stand against the Germans in World War I. Uh, he was credited with the statement, they shall not pass. Uh, and, you know, we think about Gandalf, you shall not pass. But Peyton, I mean, he was a hero. And he you know, had this military strategy. Uh, he was also one of the ones that helped with the formation of the Maginot Line, which was a huge failure uh, going into World War II. But anyway, uh, when Hitler started to invade France, uh, he rose to power. He became the premier. Uh, Peyton did. And a week afterwards, he signed an armistice with Hitler, giving over half of France to the Nazis. And the part of France that was not given over to the Nazis, it would be called, uh, it would be known as the Vichy Republic, and he would be the head of the Vichy Republic. And he was very oppressive, uh, sent tens of thousands of Jews probably to concentration camps, uh, and he became a Nazi collaborator. This World War I hero from France became a Nazi collaborator in World War II. And after the war, uh, he was brought back to France, and he was tried, and he was sentenced to death. But his, fortunately for him, his death sentence was commuted by Charles de Gaulle, uh, and he had to spend the rest of, life, of his life in prison. But he was a man who was a hero of World War I and guilty of treason in World War II. So he surrendered France to the Nazis. And I think about these two men. I think about Neville Chamberlain. I think about Philippe Peton. I think, man, they did not do well. You, you you can't appease someone like Adolf Hitler. You can't surrender to a man like that. You can't collaborate with him. You cannot collaborate with him. And I think, boy, they made life miserable for a lot of people. And it's people like Chamberlain and Peyton that get other people killed. But then I think about Winston Churchill. Now, of course, he was able to get all the... Uh, British soldiers and some of the French soldiers off the French coast at Dunkirk and bring them, Operation Dynamo, bring them back to England, saved over 300,000 uh, of the military personnel. And this was over a year before America would even get in the war. And he had to basically stand against the Nazis by himself. And he made this famous speech. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you're well aware of of the famous speech he made to the House of Commons on June 4th, 1940. 
where he had to rally the British public. Uh, everybody thought, man, it's, it's, it's a done deal. Hitler's going to own all of Europe. He'll invade England. Uh, it's just a matter of time. But you remember what Churchill said in that speech. I'm going to read some of it. I can't do it in my Churchill voice because I don't have a Churchill voice. But uh, he said, we shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. That's Winston Churchill. He was not going to appease Hitler. He was not going to surrender to Hitler. He was going to fight him. Let me say this. Christians, believers, followers of Christ, we're engaged in a war. Now, it's not a war against flesh and blood. We know clearly. Scripture is very, very clear. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're, we're not against people. Uh, the battle is not against people. It is against powers. It's against principalities. Um, Here's what it says in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we are in a battle. You don't capitulate. You, you do not appease the enemy. You do not surrender to the enemy. You fight the enemy. It is a spiritual battle. Your salt and your light. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are the church. We're called to make a difference. We're called to be influencers. So I want to encourage you. Don't you ever, ever apologize for anything the Bible says. Don't apologize. God does not need us to apologize for what he says in his word. That's never appropriate. Just clearly say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Doesn't matter what I believe, but I believe what scripture says. Now, when you do follow what scripture says, you've got to understand, not, everybody, not everyone else does. And so there will be times where there will be a conflict. Well, there will, there will be tension. You'll be a difference maker. Salt and light make a difference you will be an influencer you'll influence in one way or the other you're, you're going to be an influencer so i want to encourage you today don't back down you have to in love and in kindness you stand for the truth you speak the truth and when you're given the opportunity and you're asked a question you know you know if i give the answer what the bible says Boy, it's going to get crazy. Well, then you, you know what you do? You say, look, my belief doesn't matter, but what the Bible says does. Here's what the Bible says, and I simply choose to believe what Scripture says. And you become salt and light. That's what God's called you to be. You want to be an influencer. You want to have an influence. Make sure 
that you don't dim your light to be an influence. If you have to dim your light to be an influence, you're probably doing it the wrong way. Now, I got that out of the basement. And I want to thank you for joining me for this podcast. Um, We're going to have a weekly podcast. And I would like to invite you to be back next week. Uh, We'll cover another topic. Now, I'm not going to shy away from things. I'll I'll plunge into things. I'll go ahead first into things. If the Bible addresses it, hey, I don't have any problem talking about it. So I want to invite you back next week. Hope you have a great week. Uh, Check out martymcclain.com. You can go to our website. Uh, Give us some likes on there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Marty McLean on Twitter. Uh, But thank you so much, and I hope you have a great week, and God bless you.